National Cemetery and the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, including the locations of nearly 300 graves and who is buried in each one. They guard the tomb no matter what the weather conditions are. They guard the tomb in snow. They guard it in extreme cold. They guard it in the rain. They guard it in extreme heat. One of my favorite pictures probably of this guard is when they were guarding it during a hurricane. Standing there in perfect uniform with driving rain and winds, yet they are still guarding the tomb. They guard the tomb when there is no one there visiting. They guard the tomb when there are visitors present. They guard when they have an audience watching them. And they consider it in high honor to guard it in extreme weather. No matter what is going on, they are guarding that tomb. Hallelujah. I tell you what, we have been blessed with an honor of defending this message. We have been honored with being able to defend the truth. And I'll tell you, I want to defend it against all enemies, whether foreign or domestic, whether it comes from the outside or the inside. It is a privilege and an honor to guard this message. We will defend it in good weather. We will defend it in bad weather. We'll defend it when the sun's beating down. We'll defend it in the middle of the storm. We'll defend it in the valley. We'll defend it on the mountaintop. We'll defend it whether home or away, whether on vacation or at work. I'll defend it against all enemies. Hallelujah. I tell you what, sometimes when we go on vacation, we let our guard down. But I'm telling you, this walk with God doesn't go on vacation. It doesn't take a break. But we've got to stand guard. Hallelujah. 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 Nehemiah. Amen. After years of bondage, they had a torn down city. Jerusalem was nothing. It had been torn apart and ravaged. And I tell you what, he was going around and he was sad when he began to think of this city that was torn to pieces. And so the king finally said, why are you downcast? And he began to tell them and he gave him permission to go back and began to rebuild Jerusalem. Hallelujah. And so they went back and began to repair and rebuild the walls. And, uh, but you know what? Not everybody was happy about it. There were some enemies around about them that did not like what they were doing. In fact, they said they were going to come in and wipe them out. They didn't want them to fortify that city. Hey, man, it would have been easy to say, well, you know what? We better just stop working and defend it. There's a big enemy coming. We better stop working, Nehemiah. We, we better stop working, Ezra. We, we've got to defend this place. And Nehemiah, he said, you know what? We do have to defend it. Remember, we still got to work. We still got to work, too. We, we, the work's got to go on because the sooner the wall's built, the easier it's going to be to defend it. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. So the Bible said that with one hand, they held a sword. And with one hand, they held a rock. 
and they began to rebuild this city. Yeah, it may not have gone as fast, but they were aware of what was going on, yet they were still repairing the walls. Oh, hallelujah. I tell you what, we're in a place where we've got to build some walls, but we can't forget to fight while we can't forget to build. There's not one of us who has accomplished anything yet. We haven't made it yet. we still got to build, and we've still got to fight. Hallelujah. Hey man, one of the parts of the story that just, just jumped out to me was that last part where it said they slept in their clothes. Mm. I'll tell you what, one of the greatest times the enemy likes to attack is when you're sleeping, when you're resting. But he said, you know what? We're not going to get too comfortable. Oh, we're not going to get too comfortable, but we're going to go to bed ready to get up and fight. We're going to go rest with our sword near the hand. We're going to rest, but we're going to be ready to fight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This verse isn't in your list, but Nehemiah 4 and 6, he said, so build we the wall. And all the wall was joined together under the half thereof. Why? For the people had a mind to work. The people had a mind to work. Uh, they weren't sitting back with their cup of coffee watching everybody else work but they got up in the morning with their mind made up today we're gonna work today we're gonna work we'll be ready to fight too but we've got a mind to work I tell you what sometimes we wake up in the morning and we're headed to our secular job but we better have a mind to work Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You say, what happened? Because they had a mind to work. Not only they rebuilt the walls, but they rebuilt the house of God. They built a place to worship. Woo. Hallelujah. I tell you what, we are privileged people to be called into the kingdom of God for such a time as this has already been said tonight. Hey man, one of the most exciting days that we could be alive. God is doing a great work. I said God is doing a great work. We've heard it as the last, uh, last week, I believe it was. We, we heard a message come forth from God. And Brother Smith stepped up here and said, it's going to be big. I tell you, God's got a great work. If we have a mind to work, if we're willing to step out with a stone in one hand and a sword in the other. Hallelujah. 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 Every minute of the day, these folks were ready to fight. Anytime an enemy would have come out, they were ready to go to war. 
I tell you what, we better be on guard because in the moment you let your guard down, in the moment you put your sword down, that enemy could come over the hill, coming after you. Woo! Hallelujah. Woo! We've heard a story since Sunday school. Amen. About the three Hebrew boys and how they refused to bow to that image that Nebuchadnezzar had made. Hallelujah. Amen. They said, every time you hear the sound of the music, you better fall on your face and worship the God that I have created. Amen. And there the music went. Down they all went. Except for three. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. There they stood. Nebuchadnezzar was upset a little bit. And he called for them to come. And he said, I want to tell you something. He said, I, I really like you boys. And, and we're going to give you another chance. He said, I'll let you all go back out there. I'll have the music play again. And if you'll bow down and worship this God, I'll forget what you did the first time. Well, they looked at him, and I love their answer. They said, oh, king, we're not even careful to answer thee in this matter. We ain't going to think about it. We're not going to have group discussion. We got our minds made up. We're not even going to be careful about it. We're not going to worship your God. No matter how many times you sit us back out there, we will not bow. And the God that we serve is able to deliver us from this. But if not, he'll deliver us out of your hand, king. You say, what's your point? My point is, oh, hallelujah. Every time we take a stand for the kingdom of God, it seems, oh, we're on top of the world. We've taken a stand. We've done right. And all of a sudden, the next day, the enemy steps back up with another opportunity to fall. And if you think because of the first victory that you've accomplished everything you need to accomplish and that enemy's not going to come back, you're fooling yourself. You better be on guard. You better be standing guard because he's coming again. Mm, one thing the devil is, is he is persistent. He's not about to give up. He wants to take anybody and everybody that he can. That's why we've got to stand guard. That's why we've got to be ready. <sighs> Hallelujah. <Woo. coughs> Another familiar story. There's David sent by his father to check on his brothers. Israel's at war. Amen. Goliath is defying the armies of Israel. In the process, he is defying the God of Israel. Amen. The army of Israel is hiding in, in caves and behind trees and anywhere they can find that's big enough to get behind. And David gets there and he, he sees this unbelievable activity. In 1 Samuel 17 and 23 says, And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion. The Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have ye seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. 
And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth his Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? <clears throat> and the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. David said, like, What's going to happen to the one that takes this guy down? Because he's defying the armies of the living God. And Eliab, his eldest brother, <clears throat> heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? He's belittling him. Well, I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. I know what's going on inside of you, David. You all spoiled brat. Where's your couple sheep you're watching, buddy? Why don't you go back to your little shepherd? Do you go back to your little sheep and uh, go back to that little meadow where you used to be, where you're supposed to be? I know what you're thinking, David. You're sitting down here all puffed up. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause. What have I done, Eliab? It's a cause we're fighting for. He's defying the armies of the living God. So David said, okay, fine, I'll fight him. And so Saul brings him in and tries to give him his armor. David said, no, I've not tested it. I've not proved it. I've never used this before, but I've used a sling. He said, I had confidence in his sling. Amen. And in 1 Samuel 17, in verse 45, it says, Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. And I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. He said, I'm not doing it that I'll be lifted up. I'm not doing that I'll be puffed up. But I want everybody to know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's. The battle you're in don't belong to you. It is the Lord's. Woo. I said the battle that you're in don't belong to you. It's the Lord's. Hmm. He said, and he will give you into our hands. Amen. And it came to pass, and the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran away and ran toward the army. He 
he wasn't scared in the least. This great champion, this gigantic man that had won many battles against a young man who had never faced mortal combat with another human being. A bear and a lion, maybe. Well, he ran toward the army to meet the Philistine, and David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead. That the stone sunk into his forehead, and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote his Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Well, David went to a sword fight with a, a rock and a piece of material. Yeah. It's like trying to go against a tank with a, with a horse and a pistol. There's some folks, I believe it was World War II or World War I, that learned that that didn't work out very good. It's a painful lesson. But David went out there and he wasn't worried. He wasn't scared, but he ran right towards that enemy. Well, how could he do it? Because he was worth the cause we're fighting for. Mm. I want to tell you tonight that this truth is a cause that is worth fighting for. We're living in a day where this truth is being attacked on every side. Mm. Every time we turn around, there's somebody trying to get us to compromise this message. But I'm telling you, there's a cause that's worth fighting for. It's a cause we're standing guard over. And if you think it's just people, you're sadly mistaken. Because we're living in a day where government is coming against the truth of the Word of God. Woo! Trying to make things of the Word of God cause an abomination and think it's normal. I'm telling you, it's still an abomination. Woo! Hey man, it's illegal to preach against homosexuality in the country of Canada. I'll tell you what, I did it anyways. It's still an abomination. I don't care what the government says. I don't care what our government says. I don't care how it's politically incorrect. It is a violation of the Word of God. There's an attack every day on our doctrine. False doctrine is working its way into the church. Young people, I won't talk to you for a minute. If you think you can skate by on your mama and daddy's relationship with God and on their knowledge of the doctrine, you are mistaken and you are fooling yourself. There is coming a day when you've got to stand on your own two feet and say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God 
there's going to come a day when you can't say, well, mama and daddy said. It's going to be, well, what do you believe? What's in your heart? What have you got in your heart? I tell you what, there's some things going on in this world that make me sick to my stomach. Amen. We, oh, we better know what we believe. Woo. It's not enough to say I believe in one God. You better know why you believe in one God. It's not enough to say that you believe that you must repent of your sins and be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins and you shall be filled with the Holy Ghost. You better know why. Because we are under attack and we better know what we're fighting for. You know what? I've had some friends in life that like to run their mouths. And uh, we get into little altercations sometimes. And I didn't like it very much. Because I was fighting for something I didn't even know what we was fighting over. Well, they say, hey man, we gotta go, go get down here. We gotta do this, we gotta do that. Why? Well, he said something. Well, what'd he say? You said I was fat. Well, you are. <laughs> I remember walking through a mall one day with a friend of mine. And this guy looked at us as we were walking by, doing what I like to do in a mall, sit in the chair and watch people. It's kind of entertaining. And he sees this guy look at him a couple times, so he walks by him like this and goes. <laughs> of course, he got two steps away, and that dude come flying off that chair like he was on fire, and there was nose to nose right in the middle of the mall. And I'm like, oh, here we go again. What are you looking at me for? I'm sort of thinking, this has got to be the dumbest thing I've ever seen to fight over because somebody looked at you. It wasn't a cause worth fighting for. In fact, that time, I didn't even go stand by him. I let his brother go get him out of it. I don't know what I'm fighting for. And I want to tell you something. <laughs> this is worth fighting for. This is worth standing guard over. That's worth when someone says, well, that ain't true. It's in the Word of God. It's still right. And I'll stand and defend it because it's right. Oh, hallelujah. I wish I had a voice tonight. First Kings 21 and chapter 1. What a powerful story. It came to pass after these things that Naboth... The Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel hard by the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. And Ahab spake unto Nabal, saying, Give me thy vineyard, that I may have it for a garden of herbs. 
because it is near unto my house. And I will give thee for it a better vineyard than it. Or if it seem good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. Man, he wasn't offering to rip him off. He said, I'll give you a better vineyard. Or I'll give you the worth of it in money. And Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord forbid it me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. The Lord forbid it. This has been passed down from generation to generation to generation. Joshua gave us this vineyard. I got it from my dad. He got it from his who got it from his. And I'm going to give it to my boy. The Lord forbid it me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. Nahab came into his house heavy and displeased because of the word of Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give thee the inheritance of my fathers. And he laid him down upon his bed and turned away his face and would eat no bread. Y'all ever seen your kids do that? It amazes me sometimes how far Trey can stick his lip out. Pouting. Because he didn't get what he wanted. But Jezebel, his wife came to him and said unto him, Why is thy spirit so sad that thou eatest no bread? And he said unto her, Because I spake unto Naboth the Jezreelite, and said unto him, Give me thy vineyard for money, or else if it please thee, I will give thee another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give thee my vineyard. Don't you feel sorry for Ahab? Jezebel, his wife, said to him, Dost thou now govern the kingdom of Israel? Arise and eat bread, and let thine heart be merry. I will give thee the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. Don't worry about it, Ahab. I'll take care of it. So she went and uh, wrote a letter to the elders of the city, trumped up two false witnesses. They accused him of blasphemy of God and the king. They took him out and stoned him to death. <clears throat> well, that's a real encouraging story. But I want to tell you something. His inheritance meant more to him than his life. His inheritance meant more to him than his life. He refused to sell what he loved. Even though Ahab came and offered him a better thing. Ooh. There's some enemies that are coming in that are trying to get us to take a better thing. Well, this one looks better over here. It's got better entertainment. There's more things to do at the church over here. You know what? You can live a little easier. You don't have to do all that. It's a better place. Woo! You 
can still attend church. You can still make yourself feel good and have more fun doing it. But does it add up to the inheritance that has been passed on from generation to generation to generation? Maybe it's just because of the weekend that we are in. But my mind has been going back just a little bit. My dad was a preacher of the gospel. Loved God, served God. Was a tremendous man of God. His father was a preacher. A missionary established a work in Uruguay, South America. 60 years ago that is still going today they passed on something to me my mother's grandfather was a preacher back in the days of brush harbor meetings in west texas oklahoma preaching out in the hot sun preaching in buildings with no insulation in the dead of winter but he loved this message. He died still preaching the gospel. It's been passed from generation to generation to generation. And now they're gone. My grandpa's gone. My dad's gone. My great grandfather's gone. And what am I going to do with it? What am I going to do with it? Am I going to join the latest fads? Start preaching in blue jeans and a sport coat with my shirt untucked? Go to once a week service so it's easier on the people. I gotta quit believing what's been passed down to me as far as holiness and separation from the world because I have friends that have stepped away from it am I going to join them and let Ahab have my vineyard or am I gonna stand guard over my inheritance my grandparents didn't leave great riches my dad did not leave great riches he didn't leave me a small rich boy but he put something in my heart that is worth guarding Proverbs 23 and 23, a lot of us could quote it. By the truth, by the truth, by the truth, and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. By the truth, by the truth. 
but it's not popular with my friends. I don't care by the truth. There's going to come a day they may have walked away from this truth. If you stay with it, there'll be a day where they reach out to you saying, would you pray for me? I had an email just the other day from somebody I've known most of my life far from God. And all it said is, would you please pray for me? Why? Because they sold their inheritance for what they thought was a better thing. Oh, help us, Jesus. By the truth. We could go down through time and think of all those that have gone before us. The apostles. Pastor Reagan talked just the other day about Polycarp. <laughs> Died for this truth. All of those apostles who gave their life for this message, save one. Have you ever thought about that? Oh, John died of old age, although they tried to kill him. But all the rest of them died as martyrs. Why? Because they fell in love with this truth. There's a scripture that talks about how God would send some a strong delusion. They would believe a lie. It says, because they receive not a love for the truth. You know, I'd like to, st I like to stand here today, and I say this because I believe it. But I believe that I would die for my family. Amen. If somebody came in and attacked my family, I'm going to do everything in my power to protect them and to guard them. I believe it is my responsibility. And you know, sometimes that guarding is not always a physical battle. Sometimes it's a spiritual battle. But I would like to say today that I would die for them. But how much more should I be willing to die for this message? Do we love it that much? Do we love it that much? That we're willing to guard truth with our life. You know, the last thing that I want is a cheap imitation. Manufacturing a move of God with props and effects, lighting. Well, it's the last thing I want. I want to hold on to this genuine message 
this truth that has been passed down from generation to generation to generation to generation. I don't know why I'm saying some of this stuff tonight, but I'll tell you what, I'm scared in some ways as we are seeing an older generation that is that fought so hard to establish what we take for granted. One of the things that I enjoy, of course, is history. And I like to read a lot of books on these old-time preachers. Men that were willing to get on a train and go to a city because God moved upon them. They would show up with no money and no place to stay. No invitation to preach. So they'd find a place to preach. Poor. Get up preaching in a tent. Drunk folks come by. Would attack them physically. We don't ever face that. Amen. We don't face that. We don't have folks coming and throwing rotten apples and rotten tomatoes at us while we're preaching. But those men of old that stood up and fought for this message, they had to face it. Oh. But as generation has come and generation has gone, I wonder, Elder, if there's some in our, my generation that would stand behind a pulpit and preach if they were facing that. Because we've gotten so used to comfort. Are we willing to stand in the driving rain to defend this gospel? Those men walk back and forth on that black mat, guarding that tomb where three men are buried that are not known. If anybody's laughing or carrying on, they will tell you to be quiet in honor of those men that gave their lives for our country. I tell you, I'll never forget that picture. In fact, I have it saved on my computer that I can look at it. That man standing there in perfect stance in that driving rain. There's been times when they have offered to let them walk away and those men refuse to stand down. It is their duty to guard that tomb. Are we willing to stand in the face of a spiritual hurricane? Are we willing to get out there in that 100 plus degree heat 90% humidity in a woolen uniform. And do our duty. We have been given a great inheritance. Are we willing to defend it? 
Are we willing to build up the walls around it to protect it with a rock in one hand and a sword in the other? Is it a cause whereby we are willing to face a giant that is much more experienced than we are? And we're able to do it because we realize that the battle we're fighting belongs to the Lord. You know, I believe that victory doesn't come sometimes because God is just waiting for somebody who's willing to step out and fight. The victory's there. They're waiting for the one who's willing to get the sling and run towards a giant. There came a day when David went out to the battlefield, faced a man by the name of Ishbi Benob, who had a new sword, a new trick, if you would, a new device. The Bible said that David waxed faint, and Ishbi Benob thought to have slain David. In order to feel that way, I believe that he must have been bleeding. He must have thought he had got him. And he began to rejoice because he had slain that giant of Israel. But Abishai, David's nephew, one of his valiant, mighty men of valor, came running and the Bible said he secured David some say that he literally put his body over the body of David began to fight Ishbi Benob and slew him on the battlefield hallelujah you know, oftentimes we are so dependent on the elders. We look at their victories. They're recorded. And that giant comes out with a new sword. And those younger men step back and say, well, the elder can handle it again. The elder can get it again. But maybe he's just feeling a little weak that day. And all of a sudden we realize that the giant is beginning to celebrate. The question is tonight, are you willing to stand guard? Are you willing to be an Abishai and step out and say, I'll take the battle from here. I'll take it from here. <laughs> they, they wouldn't let David go out to battle anymore. Lest the light go out in Israel. They said, David, you've won the victories for long enough. 
We, we can't handle life without you. So you're just going to stay home from now on. We, we'll take care of it. Why are we still making the elders fight all the battles? Oh, but they are closer to God than why? Why are they closer to God than we are? Does our relationship with God not mean as much? I wish I could get my point across tonight. We can't just leave it up to the elders all the time. They've gone down the road. They've fought the battles. And we've ridden along behind them. We've had much smoother sailing than they ever had because they fought so many battles. And here comes that giant with his new trick, with his new sword. He takes that elder. Are we willing to step out and fight and stand with me tonight? My dad can't come and fight my battle anymore. This is our 15th Memorial Day without my father. Can't depend on him anymore to fight my battle. He fought a good fight. It's on his gravestone. He said, I have fought a good fight. I kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up a treasure. He can't come fight for me anymore. My grandpa can't come fight for me. Yeah, my other grandpa's still living, and he does pray for me every day, and I thank God for it. But there's been many elders who have been so dear in my life but they're not here anymore they fought their fight and now I can put it this way it's my turn those men that guard that tomb they can only do it for so long and somebody else has to come take their place yeah, there's always a guard there. But there's a rotation. There needs to be a rotation of the guard. That we wouldn't leave all the fighting to just one. That when we see our brother or our sister battling... I will say, hey, I'm with you. Get out of place, but if I am, stop me, Elder. But, you know, sometimes we think in order to fight, we've got to know every detail of the battle. If you'll tell me what all's going on, I'll, I'll get in here and fight with you. Is it enough sometimes for the brother to say, man, I'm in a battle of my life? I have never faced anything like this before. That should be enough.
It's not a trivial thing like somebody looking at you in the mall. We're talking about a battle for somebody's soul. And if we know that they're under a battle like never before, why don't we pull out our sword and say, Brother, I'm with you. I'll fight with you. Elder, we don't know what you're facing next week. I've got no idea. I've never been anywhere like that. But it's been said so many times here of late, there's an open door. <laughs> but there are adversaries. There are adversaries. God said last week, I believe it was God. He said there's an open door that no man can shut. But they're going to be adversaries. And are we willing to stand guard? Are we willing to stand guard? Are we willing to stand guard? Can we lift up our hands tonight? Are you willing to fight tonight? Are you willing to put the sword in one hand and a stone in the other? And say, I know that the battle is yours, Lord, but I'm willing to do my part. I'll step out with my sling. I'll go after that giant. I'll do what I have to do. I'm going to stand guard. All the storm winds are blowing and the weather's terrible, but I'm still going to step out. What's going to happen? I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring, but I'm willing to stand guard. Oh, the enemy looks so big, and he's so fierce, and he's fought for so long, but greater is he that is in me. I'm going to stand guard. I'm going to stand guard. I'm not going to make the elders fight all the battles. Oh, I might be young, and I may not have fought very many battles. I may have never fought one, but I'm willing to step out. I'm willing to stand guard. A stone and a sword, building and fighting. Defending. I'm gonna fight to defend my inheritance. I'm gonna guard this message. I'm gonna hold it so near. I'm willing to step out and fight. Oh, can we talk to the Lord tonight? Every guard that stands guard on that tomb volunteers for that position. God's looking for some volunteers tonight who are willing to step out and guard this message. He's looking for a volunteer who says, I'll fight. I'll fight. I'll fight. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Can we lift up our voices and talk to the Lord? Oh, Jesus.